Nine minutes after 11 o'clock, this is the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for staying with us. Really, really do appreciate uh, uh, the honor and privilege of your company here on the show. Wednesday means that we get to, to talk all things health because it is the health feature on our Wednesday. And today we want to talk about communicable diseases. So report, was it yesterday? Yesterday, two days ago, effectively, of a spike in measles in the free state. Measles is back, right? There's also been a spike in chickenpox and quite recently and more recently, cholera. These are all communicable diseases that are preventable and treatable, but it's hell to live with them. I've had chickenpox before. I think everybody, well, I'm assuming everybody's had chickenpox before. I remember growing up, they they told us chickenpox is one of those things that you you don't want to have chickenpox as an adult. You want to have it as early as possible as a kid. But it seems to me that we shouldn't even have had to have chickenpox. We could have just vaccinated against it. But there seems to be a decline in vaccination for these preventable uh, diseases. Ever since COVID-19, there's been a decline in vaccination for these diseases. Various governments, uh, provincial governments, are now on uh, vaccination drives and vaccination education drives. Vaccine hesitancy around vaccine treatments and uh, diseases that we've long treated with vaccines suddenly just sprung out of nowhere. But can we resolve this? Give us a call if you would like to be a part of this conversation. 086-000-2032. My guest for this conversation is Dr. Ramukone uh, Mapoto. Dr. Ramukone Mapoto is a specialist virologist. Dr. Ram- uh, Dr. Mapoto, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Measles is Good back. Morning. This this is this this is surprising. Why? Good morning, Oliver, and good morning to the SASM community. Yes, measles is back, and it is a communicable disease, as you've just said, um, due to our low vaccine coverage. And, you know, um, South Africa has got a very low um, vaccine coverage in those provinces that are involved at this moment. And, of course, we also repeat very well of being in COVID lockdowns uh, where our children did not get an opportunity to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's maybe start by uh, by actually defining some of these communicable diseases. What 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 is measles? How does it manifest? What are the symptoms? So measles um, is um, a disease that is caused by a measles virus, uh, which is... By a, a what? Sorry, can you repeat that? It, it, it's an, it, it is a measles disease. It, it is a, a disease that is caused by a measles virus, okay. which is trans, highly transmissible. Um, and it is um, transmitted through a respiratory droplets um, that we uh, know of other viruses as well from the respiratory point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and what are the symptoms? So uh, we present uh, mostly with um, what we call prodromal symptoms. A, a patient would feel unwell, would have muscle aches, will have headaches, which then is followed uh, by generalized rash, which is non-vesicular, which is different from the chickenpox. Uh, then we'll present with a fever, very high fever, about 38 uh, degrees Celsius, and mm-hmm. you'll also have a cough, and some we present with conjunctivitis and rheumatitis. And what is um, of characteristic is they would have uh, what we call complex spots in the uh, inner buccal mucosa that is lining our cheeks. Mm. 
mm. um, uh, that would be uh, the sign that uh, a GP or any healthcare practitioner will tell you is definitely a measles sign. Mm. Cholera is also back. Uh, uh, cholera, I, I believe, to be somewhat of a waterborne disease. Is that correct? Yeah, um, cholera is um, viral, uh, it's a viral uh, disease which is caused by a bacteria called Aspergillus uh, cholera, and it's basically uh, causing um, an acute um, diarrhea and caused by you know um, water or any contaminated. Uh, food um, that is um, any food that has not been cooked properly or any veg of uh, uh, fruits that has not been washed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? Does it mean using dirty water? It means contaminated water, especially the waters that are, have um, low salinity or stagnant water or waters that have not been treated before. Uh, or if there is a, an outbreak and people are, you know, then going to the toilet in, in open fields, uh, you can have those waters contaminated with with, with the bacteria. Mm-hmm. And and chickenpox also a communicable disease that seems to uh, a treatable communicable disease at least uh, preventable uh, through vaccination, but somehow we still we still get it. Yeah, it, it, we still get it. It's, it's, a chickenpox is actually caused by a virus called uh, varicella zoster virus, which is highly communicable. It also spreads um, or transmits via respiratory droplets of contact with an open lesion. Mm. And and all of these diseases we had just discussed, chickenpox, cholera, measles, how severe can they get? Um, for measles, it can get so severe, especially if uh, there is risk factors uh, such as undernutrition, especially in children that are in developing countries or any other child with uh, immunodeficiency uh, issues. And um, complications can range from having pneumonia, encephalitis, to an extent that we also see patients with permanent disabilities such as blindness in children that already have vitamin D, uh, um, vitamin A deficiencies, and all those patients that have encephalitis can have some intellectual uh, disabilities that may be associated with measles encephalitis. This, this is this is shocking. Blindness, neurological dysfunction, are these preventable when somebody contracts measles? Uh, how do you how, how how do you treat it? So, for instance, pneumonia and encephalitis, um, these are hospital patients need to be hospitalized and treated for them. Um, and uh, nutrition needs to be, you know, the cornerstone of, of this. And uh, the patients need to also be put on vitamin A treatment. Um, Sorry, but is, is that vitamin A treatment? Yes, to prevent blindness and so forth. Um, and uh, with bacterial infections, um, antibiotics can be sought out. Effective uh, uh, antibiotics can be given to those children. But the ultimate prevention would be, you know, vaccination with measles uh, vaccine. Give us a call: zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. 086-000-2032 if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment on this conversation that I'm having with Dr. Romokone uh, Mapoto, who's a specialist virologist. Uh, measles, uh, cholera, as well as chickenpox. These are obviously diseases that we should be preventing. Uh, 
I, I want to get, Doctor, I want to get to the question around vaccine hesitancy. Why have we truly seen, in, in real terms, a decline in people taking up vaccination for their children at young ages? You know, I think what spikes vaccine hesitancy, honestly, Oliver, is the, the COVID vaccine. And I think with the introduction of COVID vaccine, people started being hesitant and um, with, with vaccine. And that has, you know, cut across other vaccines that have worked very good uh, in the past and people had trust in those vaccines in the past. So it has really did affect uh, at some point the uh, vaccine uptake, uh, especially in children uh, with measles and um, as well as uh, vaccine system. Mm. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, the myths around vaccines are that they'll change your genes, that uh, the government wants to inchip, uh, implant chips into you, that they want to kill you. How, explain to us how a vaccine actually works. So vaccines are different types of technologies for actually producing vaccines. So you can use what we call a subunit, which most of our influenza vaccines are made of. Um, you can do what we call a killed or inactivated vaccine or life-attenuated vaccine, or even the more recent ones, the messenger RNA vaccines. So it's either you mimic the natural infection to a point where your uh, immune system then generates antibodies, or you take that subunit that is a, a gene or is it a um, more particularly a, a protein that will invoke your immune system to produce the right antibodies for you to um, lessen the infection or prevent the infection depending on what is the primary point of that vaccine. So there's different technologies and right now with the mRNA, mRNA basically goes into the cell and says to the cell, can you produce? Um, antibodies that are based on this gene so that we in future when we see this we are able to produce these right vaccines it is not to be embedded into your gene or your dna but it is to actually say can you produce this let's produce this so that we are able to mitigate the infection should we come across it for the second time so that's basically there are different uh, technologies for that yeah, you know, for instance, mRNA vaccine is uh, you you injecting a a replica of the actual virus into the bloodstream of the person uh, you're vaccinating. Uh, obviously, the dose there then matters. What's the ratio from around the doses in terms of how much of it is enough to be able to uh, inform your immune system about the gene structure or at least the 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 structure thereof? Okay. So what the mRNA does, it's not the virus or a whole virus, it's a portion of a virus. Let's say it's an mRNA that is supposed to produce an S protein or N protein, whatever protein that is supposed to produce. So, uh, that is a patch. It's not a whole virus, so it's unable to actually infect any person. So what it does is that it produces that uh, protein. So as to the amount that is it determines in the lab as to what the amount will be enough to start, um, you know, um, what you call it, uh, start generating antibodies uh, to a level that would be protective enough or be rendered effective enough. So that would be different from any manufacturer, what they deem as the um, 
is, is the amount of virus that uh, or the amount of mRNA that needs to be in there. Yeah, give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. If you'd like to be a part of this conversation, I'm also taking a WhatsApp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Let's take a quick break. Give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. We're discussing communicable diseases and the steps we need to take to be able to prevent them. Um, there's been an outbreak of measles in the Free State recently, and that has sent worry through uh, the healthcare system over there. There is a, a drive. To, to, to get parents to up to, to take up vaccination for the children. We're going to the lines on zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Leonard, you're on the road. Good morning. Yes, uh, hello, good morning. How are you? I'm well, I'm well, Leonard. Go ahead. All right. Um, I just want to comment on the doctor, and uh, I was also a victim of this thing. I was once, not once, twice, a victim of cholera. Actually, I'm a Malawian from Tanta, that's why I'm in Malawi. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your story. So, 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 Leonard, can I ask you, what did, when you had cholera, what did you experience? so much for yeah, sharing that really yeah i can imagine yeah, i can imagine Thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, sounds like a, you, a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Dr. Uh, Mapoto, let's let's just on Leonard's point there. I don't think I asked you about the symptoms of cholera. Sounds like, a, uh, you know, excessive runny stomach. That sounds like something that can result in severe dehydration and stuff. Talk to us about cholera and, 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 and the, the, the symptoms thereof. You know, yes, and as Lenny said, cholera can present with a very, very severe um, acute diarrhea, and we call it a rice water um, stool-like. It looks like a washed rice, and it's so severe. If one 
uh, has a massive barrier of about one liter per hour. Um, that can lead to hypotensive um, shock, and they can even die within hours of the first symptoms. That's how um, you know severe it can be um, the cholera, and it can also present with vomiting, uh, particularly in early stages uh, of the illness. The patient can do that, and all this then results in dehydration and also what we call electrolyte uh, imbalances of abnormalities that would a uh, patient would present with lethargic, they'd have sunken eyes, dry mouth, uh, you know, this decreased pinture, uh, and so forth. And some even results in hypoglycemia and also then results with a renal uh, problem. And it's it's treatable, right? It's treatable. Um, and the cornerstone actually for treatment of diarrhea is um, rehydration. So the sooner... Uh, the patient has started on rehydration and also balancing the electrolytes. Um, it is preventable uh, for, 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 for to result in severe uh, uh, cholera. This patient would be admitted, and um, you know, effective uh, antibiotics would need to be started, especially in moderate and severe cholera. Rehydration in the form of an IV drip or just drinking water. In, in mild cases, oral rehydration solution will suffice depending on what the you know the assessment of the medical practitioner is. And in patients that have got more um, you know moderate and severe, would need to be hospitalized for IV treatment. Yeah. Give us a call, 086-000-2032, if you'd like to be a part of this conversation. I'm talking to Dr. Ramakone uh, Mopoto, who is a specialist virologist. What has been your experience with any of these diseases? Uh, we just spoke to Leonard, who uh, a few years ago had cholera, and you just described the experience to us over there. We also uh, discussed measles. Uh, did you or anyone you know experience measles, especially your, your children, perhaps? Uh, and, and we also discussed uh, chickenpox. Are you vaccinated for any of these sort of things? Are you encouraging your children and your families, your relatives and their children to also get vaccinated? This is an important conversation because it is preventable diseases, but we're not taking up uh, the, 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 the solutions that there are. If you're hesitant about va- vaccinations for these diseases, why? Perhaps share that story with us and that fear with us. Oh, uh, 0614. 104107 if you want to send us a voice note. If you want to give us a call, it is 086 0 86 0 It's half past 11. Mposi Tole has your headlines. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 086 0 Doctor, hygiene practices also play a big role in uh, preventative measures against these diseases. Can you talk to us about that? Well, um, in terms of cholera, it plays a major role that um, we wash our hands before and after visiting the bathroom, uh, before we even touch people with, uh, with food as well as washing our food and cooking our food, uh, you know, so that it cooks thoroughly and um, we are able to eat um, clean food. And also keeping our water in a very clean, closed containers uh, is important um, for, especially if there is, um, you know, a, a, an outbreak around the area, um, as well as also, you know, being careful of we. Um, we touch uh, in terms of four miles, especially when it comes to measles as well. 
and obviously with respiratory infections that is measles and 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 um and varicella or chicken pox um when we cough we need to have you know a good cough etiquette and also be able to uh, have a safe distance or even wear masks to prevent um the uh, respiratory droplets yeah and when 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 you then discover that there has been contaminated uh, or somebody uh, you know contracted cholera is it likely that other people around them would have also contacted cholera from the same water source uh in the community perhaps is that is that a likely is do, do you do are communal breakouts a common thing yes they are um you know, a common thing because uh, you usually find a common source of water for, 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 the, for the family or the community, and that may be the one that is actually infected or it has been contaminated. So there is those, uh, you know, uh, clusters of events that can occur or outbreaks that can occur. Mm. Uh, when when parents who are listening to this conversation right now want to take their children to the clinic to get vaccinated against these diseases, or even themselves, uh, who c- can access these vaccines? How old should they be? And what are the questions that they should be asking? So for the measles vaccine, it's accessible from the age of six months, um, and it is embedded within the national um, EPI uh, that is given in local clinics. Um, and they are able to catch up on children that have missed, uh, you know, the two doses that are given at six uh, months um, and 12 months. So those can be catched up. Um, the one that is not routinely available in the public sector is the varicella zoster um, virus, the chickenpox uh, vaccine. However, it is available in the private sector and is given at 12 months uh, of age. Um, so kids can also get it uh, during the 12 months, and they can even get a combination with measles, mumps, rubella vaccine um, that is given to the children, uh, particularly in the private sector. The cholera vaccine is somehow given um, to after they have assessed the outbreak. It's not routinely given, uh, so it is only um, assessed the situation whether there would be a need to give. Uh, cholera vaccine, and in some um, areas that you visit, they would require prior to be uh, vaccinated with cholera. So those ones would be more of travel requirements. Mm. Is it is it similar to uh, a yellow fever requirements when traveling to certain parts on the African continent? Yes, it, it's a recommendation. It's not a must in most of the, because I think uh, WHO has to it. I think to be corrected, but it is a recommendation per country especially when you look at the epidemics and endemics um, trends of those countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just a question on um, the, the you know, transmissibility of these diseases. You mentioned that um, a disease like measles is transmissible through airborne droplets. Um, what then should be the protocol if somebody around you has contracted uh, measles? Uh, mask wearing, is that a, recommend, uh, a recommendation? You know, it's always recommended um, to wear a mask when you deal with respiratory infection. So it will be recommended. But the most important one is for parents to keep the children at home um, isolated until uh, they are uh, uninfectious. So it is recommendable that they wear a mask and it's recommendable that um, they keep children at home. Or if it's an adult, they must just be at home and not go to work. Mm. And, and for how long? So 
we usually say um, measles is infectious uh, four days before the rush and four days after the uh, rush has disappeared. So four days after the rush, they are no longer infectious, so they can go to work or to school. Yeah, and uh, usually that means uh, when somebody's put on antibiotics, they're, uh, for instance, are put on a seven-day course antibiotics. Do you need to complete that first before resuming to normal activity and normal nutrition, or do you need? Uh, do, uh, can you do it directly after four days? So with with measles, no antibiotics. So if it's uh, if they if uh, the um, practitioner has seen that um, the the rush has disappeared, the patient can can go back to to work. Uh, they are less infectious. In most cases, they are no longer infectious to the surrounding area. Give us a call if you'd like to raise a question. 086-000-2032. Have you experienced any of these sorts of things? And, and, and what has your experience been? I've got a, 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 a question here um, the, from one of our listeners on WhatsApp. says, can I ask this question, Pozone? What is uh, with the Department of... Um, Oh, sorry. That's a completely unrelated question. It's for the wrong department. Uh, but, but, but to that uh, question right now, what should be the immediate interventions of the Department of Health be in the free state uh, where the breakout has taken place? Um, I wouldn't talk on behalf of the Department of Health, but. Um, but as a healthcare specialist, with, with, what what with, what should be what the communal happened? intervention? So they should assess where the the cluster is, where the the, 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 the primary cases are, and surrounding those areas, they usually do what we call a mass vaccination. So they will uh, do a campaign to vaccinate and catch up those that have missed their routine, uh, you know, uh, vaccination or who have not at all been vaccinated. So they'll vaccinate uh, children around uh, those areas um, and they would also look at uh, the active cases that are around the area and map up those supplementary immunization activities. Do they isolate uh, active cases? Yeah, active cases should be isolated, otherwise you'd have continual uh, transmission. And for provinces where the outbreak has not yet reached, what, what should they do proactively? Proactively is start looking at the gaps of immunization coverage as far as measles, uh, especially mm. the second dose is concerned. So map out how many um, kids are unvaccinated at all or uh, if there is a, you know, a, a reduction in coverage and start doing uh, those supplementary activities or immunization activities that are there so that you bring up the head immunity or you bring up the coverage mm. um, to prevent um, you know, a, a spillover to, of outbreak to, to the other provinces. Mm. Uh, let's take a call. Anonymous, uh, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Go ahead. Fine, thank you, doctor. I just wanted to find out something. A few weeks ago, my son had measles. Um, as a first-time parent, I was devastated. I didn't even know what to do. He's up to date with, with everything, but he had measles. So now I'm not so sure to say, well, there were a lot of encounters that happened. He had high fever. He couldn't eat. He lost a lot of weight. And now since he's recovering, his skin is like peeling, like the old skin is peeling off. So now my question I wanted to find out, do I still get him vaccinated for this? Because now it seems he's having tonsillitis as well. It's like a whole lot of things are are coming out of, 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 of this. So I'm not so sure what to do. 
uh, with 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 my son now. But look, measles is is terrible. I I saw it. I nearly lost my mind. I didn't even know what to do. I I look. I wouldn't wish that on any parent. But please, you know what? I think this uh, measles should be like there's a huge campaign that must be done because what my son went through honestly i wouldn't wish it for any parent at all mm, mm. it was terrible look i i i'm still like if i think about it i get emotional i've i've never mm. seen something like that before i actually had to call my dad to say dad did i look like that when i had measles that is terrible mm, mm. thank I, you so I, much I, for that I, question uh, please yeah. okay uh, right. just I'll hold on to, uh, okay doctor do you want to respond to that yeah, um, so with, with measles, uh, as I said, they, they present differently. And for now, because the child has got pharyngitis and is actively having measles, uh, it's not recommended to give a vaccine of whatever sort because you need to just uh, deal with measles and get the child, um, you know, uh, stabilized first. Uh, my advice is that... Uh, it's always recommendable to go to the doctor and see if you don't have any secondary bacterial infection that may need to have antibiotics or any other treatment that uh, may be needed, any vitamin A that needs to be given. So my advice is that uh, we consult a, a, a practitioner, health practitioner. But for now, if the patient is actively having a measles and there's no need to vaccinate until such time that they recover fully, Okay. Is that was that a helpful response? Now that's fine because we did go to the doctor and the doctor was like it's going to clear off on on its own it goes away, but the worry now after the measles tonsillitis started he was like swollen on on the throat like severely immediately when he was healing tonsillitis started so I'm not so sure if. The measles is provoking other things also in in the body because he's he's snoring. He's, okay. It's like it's, something is is happening. Mm. Okay. Uh, can I ask how old is your son? He's four. Okay. okay. So um, Oliver, just to add on that is um, measles uh, natural infection can also you know um, cause immunodeficiency for some period. So the patient may come up with all sorts of other, uh, you know, uh, infections, uh, secondary infections. So my thinking is that probably the tonsillitis needs to be, um, you know, taken to the ENT or to to the doctor. Probably mm. we are dealing with a streptococcus infection, which um, may have been caused by, you know, um, the reduction in, in uh, immune system competency. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Really, really do All appreciate right. it. And I, I wanted to add on that he was born preemie, so I think maybe it could be why he's like getting so many things happening to him because he was born in in seven months. So most probably, because first he had like chicken pox, then it was something else. After mm. some time, we got measles. So it's like it's everything is coming at one go. Mm. Yeah. Thank you okay. so much for that. Really, really right, do appreciate you. it. Thank you. Bye bye. Dr. Ramokone Mapoto, thank you so much for your time as well this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. That brings us to the end of the show. We're back with you tomorrow, bright and early, 9 a.m. It is State of the Nation uh, tomorrow, and we're going to be taking a preview into that. Thank you so much for your time. It's time for your book reading.